Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim Elmore, and I am the senior pastor at Memorial Baptist Church, Stratford, Ontario. And I'm Marshall Morden, the associate pastor at MBC in Stratford. How's it going, Tim? It's been a good day. It has. Yeah. You know, we, so last week, or actually this past week, was our first opportunity to open up, and uh, that was a week. Yeah. Yeah, we got we got word that we were able to do something on Monday afternoon. So we had less than a week to prepare for a socially distanced worship service. Actually a couple of services and and it went pretty well, Tim. I got to say. I think so too, but I was wiped out. Oh yeah. And it took me all of yesterday to recover and part of this morning. Mm. But I feel all right right now. How about you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean the you know, that kind of exhaustion is something that, you know, coffee can fix. Uh, that's my that's my that's my crutch. If I'm being honest, <laughs> if it's a crutch, then it's not a fix. Low, low key, low key caffeine addiction. Uh, no, but no, seriously, I yeah, know I I sense that too. Like it was just, it took a lot out of us. There was a lot of expectation and build up and planning and even in the execution, but uh, worth it. Yeah. So all that day, I was a mess. Mm. Like I was just pacing around the house, staring out the window. Lindsay was like, you're doing it again. <laughs> and, and there was all of a sudden this sort of like nervousness right. of, you know, we've been planning it, but now it's time to execute it. And, uh, and part of it was because all of my pastor friends around the province were like, no, it's too soon. Mm. We're not ready. It can't be done. And then all of a sudden I was like, maybe they were right. And maybe it's too late. <laughs> uh, and then I get here and I find out that you and Alex are in the same boat. And, oh, yeah. and so we were all a mess. Yeah. But good now. Very good. Good Very now, ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, ready to talk about some kings and some prophets, Tim. Kings and prophets. Yeah. So we were talking about the forest. Mm-hmm. This, this all kind of boils down to, uh, to one thing in the forest, a pretty coherent forest in this, this episode. Um, God speaks. No one listens. Nobody listens. Yeah. Except the people that aren't the people of God. <laughs> yeah. Ironically enough. Yeah. That's, that's Ironically enough, the, the heathen nations mm-hmm. repent yes. when God speaks. Yeah. God's people. Not so much. It's lost on them. Completely lost on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about it. We start off in 2 Kings chapter 1. Yeah. Nice kind of clean and easy place to start. And we've got Elijah calling down fire from heaven again it's kind of his favorite move i think it's a good move it's i mean you want to talk about like a a power a power move that that is a that is a flex right there you know what when i i heard someone say one time that one of the one of the issues that come with the way that we interpret uh sign gifts Mm. in in hyper charismatic not not just charismatic but in the hyper charismatic movement is that we're more concerned with being the avengers than we are the people of god and we want these kinds of powers. I've never heard anyone talk about this as their spiritual gift, but it'd be a solid one to have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he just wipes out multiple groups of <laughs> multiple groups of soldiers. And uh, <laughs> what do we need to edit that? Was that? no, okay, okay. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, fire from heaven. It was pretty crazy. So, and uh, so he wipes out one group, wipes out another group. Finally, the third captain comes and he says, "Please, 
please don't do it again. And uh, actually, Elijah hears him out, so it's right. they're spared. Third time is a charm. I guess so, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we get these crazy... We, we were talking in our planning session kind of before we before we got going that this is like the the action Bible section of Scripture. Right. Like, like so much of what we're reading this week are just like the things that would fit so well in like a comic book. Right. And so, so like we've talked about it before, my son has the Action Bible, which mm-hmm. is a comic book Bible. Um, not the most faithful rendering of Scripture, uh, but the pictures are cool. Yeah, man. And, uh, and, and that might be the book to grab for this section. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. And so we, then we have, the, we have this iconic story of um, Elijah being taken to heaven. Uh, in a fiery chariot, and then Elisha is left, and uh, and so he kind of assumes that role of prophet from Elijah in the kind of the super epic way, you know, tears his robe off, takes up the robe of Elijah, splits the Jordan, right, and and walks back across into the promised land. Yeah, and, this is this is no like this is no breeze over transition. No, and, and before we even get into Elisha, Elijah raises so many eschatological questions mm. what happened to him yeah what about his flesh right is he does he still have it mm. how does he exist in sheol with flesh what what's going on here yeah there's a lot of question mm-hmm. about like is whatever your what happens after death system is mm-hmm you have to deal with Elijah at some point. Yeah, it's tricky. And I think the best way to deal with it is to stamp it with a big question mark. Sure. And move on. Yeah. Because it's it's a very different thing. And it's not the last time we see Elijah in Scripture no. either, right? He's no. there at the Transfiguration. I don't know. It's one of those. He's he's part of that like that select list of people whose endings are just so ambiguous. We don't know what to do. Enoch is another guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's that all about? Right. Right, yeah. and, and you know what? To be to be perfectly fair, there's a lot that's going to be read in this week that you're going to say, "What's that all about?" <laughs> that's accurate. Yeah. This yeah. is this is one of the sections I was I, as I was reading through it, I was thinking, "We are not going to do a Q and A after this section." No, we will not because, take questions on Second King <laughs> because there will be so much of it that we're just going to have to say, "I don't know." Exactly. I don't know what was the point of that. I don't know how was that inspired by God. I don't know. Right lots of that sure <laughs> so so right after elisha uh, you know kind of enters back in with a massive flex oh yeah yeah splitting the jordan comes across but then one of your favorite passages one of the first acts that he does mm-hmm. as he enters back into the promised land um is is one of those moments where people are gonna say what what is that about <laughs> yeah so we do this um we do this thing as a as a family where every night after dinner we read um we read a devotional hmm. and and the devotional that we we were working on the old testament portion of this devotional is called long story short okay um it takes about year and a half to get through the devotional so it's not exactly the long story short hmm. um but but in this he takes portions of scripture for us to read and, and he in that he he took the transition of Elijah to Elisha so that the kids would understand that transition. And then he stopped. And, and I couldn't believe that he would stop and leave this out. 
And so I had to just go ahead and keep reading for my kids because I think it's important for them to know. But, but at the end of chapter two, he goes up and there are some small boys. He, he takes, he goes, the author goes out of his way to let us know when we say boys, we're not talking about teenagers. Hmm. Some small boys came up out of the city and they jeered at him. And they say, go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. This is a, this touches a particular nerve with me. It's, it's hurtful. That's <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a hurtful. That's uh, a hurtful comment. I can't believe they would. They would, you know. I hope everyone heard Alex laugh from across <laughs> the room. I don't. I don't think the mics picked it up, but I hope they did. This is a hurtful thing, and so. What I was always taught to do, the Christian thing to do, mm. is to just sort of leave it at sticks and stones may break my bones, but mm. words will never hurt me. Yeah, turn the other cheek, Tim. Elisha doesn't turn the other cheek. Nope. Elisha calls out she-bears <laughs> to eat the boys. 42 of them. 42 of them. Now, this is one of those things that you just look at it and you throw up your hands and you say, I don't know. So so we've talked about this book before. It's been a long time since we've brought it out. It's true. Uh, the Story of Redemption Bible by Crossway Publishing. Yeah. Uh, get one at crossway.org. Uh, it really is a great Bible. In here, they have a note about this particular section, and it says, again, the swiftness and the brutality of these boys' death is astonishing. Mm. That is an understatement. Yeah. The key, though is to realize that the boys are not just making fun of Elisha for being bald. Instead, we must remember that they are from Bethel, the town at which Jeroboam insulted false or instituted, sorry, false worship of the Lord in 1 Kings chapter 12. The mocking of Elisha symbolizes the entire town's rejection of the Lord's word and worship. Like king, like people, apparently even down to the youngest of them. Meanwhile, the confrontation between the kings of Israel and the prophets of Yahweh, now Elisha, continues on. Mm. So do you, th how, what do you think? You buy it? <laughs> Does that solve it? Um, you erasing the question mark now? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's better than what I had. It's be Yeah, seriously. Seriously, yeah. Yeah. It's be it's better than uh, just assuming that you know being able to speak to animals, and 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 call them to attack other people at will is a, is a kind of an unrealized spiritual gift that we're not tapping into these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, and and then we have Elisha. Elisha has lots of stuff going on. He asks he for the double portion mm -hmm. of Elijah's power, mm -hmm. and he gets it. Yeah, widow losing her kids. Because she doesn't have any money, yeah. He puts her in business. Yeah, you're in the oil business. <laughs> oil tycoon. She's a, she's an oil tycoon. That's right. And then the Shunammite woman, right, who mm -hmm. has no children. He mm -hmm. tells her you're going to have a a child. She has the child, and the child dies, and he raises the child from the dead. Yeah. Why not? That's that's kind of an Elisha thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then uh, then there's a deadly stew. Yeah, that's a weird one. Yeah, a, a poisonous stew, but uh, Elisha's there. 
Yeah, throw some flour Flour's in. good. Yeah, that's all you need. Yeah. Naaman and his leprosy. Yeah. Healed. That's true. Which is a pretty crazy thing, but in the context of all these other things going on, far less crazy. Mm. Yeah. One of the interesting things I noticed about the story with Naaman was after he's healed of his leprosy, because he's very doubtful that Elisha, Elisha's advice to go wash in the Jordan is actually going to help. Right. He wants to pay Elisha for the services rendered, and Elisha refuses. But then once he starts returning, Elisha's servant runs off and says, hey, look, I realize Elisha said he didn't want any payment, but uh, you really should help us out here. And then when Elisha realizes that, he's like, now the leprosy that was on Naaman is on you. And then he's leprous and has to leave. Yeah, there is there is no there is no effect of charlatanism in anything that Elisha's doing. No. Yeah. None of this sort of like support the man of God financially and then God will bless you. None of this sow your seed mm-hmm. of faith kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elisha just does his thing. Yeah. And Elijah before him, yeah. he wasn't propped up. He no. was living in the forest, right? As later on, John the Baptist will be, mm-hmm. right? When you read the description of the two of them, they're very much alike. Yeah. On purpose. Sure. But, but very much alike. Yeah. Then we have uh, a man who was doing some work. The head falls off of his axe. He panics a little bit because he can't afford an axe, and the one he had was borrowed. Yep. Uh, Elisha does what we all would do, throws a stick in the water to cause the, uh, the axe head to float. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, then, and then we have this amazing moment in chapter 6. This is always one of my favorites. Here we have the king of Syria who is trying to come against Israel. And every time he tries to come against them, the plan is foiled. Why? Because Elisha already knows what their plan is. Because every time they make a plan, Elisha hears the plan. And so, so the king of Syria goes out and, and to his own people and he's like, which one of you are the snitch? Yep. And they're like, no, it's the man of God. It's Elisha. Mm-hmm. Everything we talk about, he hears. Mm-hmm. The king of Syria has no better wisdom but to say, well, then let's talk about this. <laughs> let's make a plan. Let's, our, all of our plans are being foiled. What we should do is make another plan. That's right. We should continue in this path of destruction mm-hmm. that has proven futile. And so uh, they make a plan to go after him instead of the army. They show up. His new servant boy mm-hmm. looks out and sees them, the city surrounded. And he goes in and he says, Elisha, what are we going to do? And Elisha says, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Those who are for us are greater than those who are against us. Mm-hmm. The boy's looking around going, he's lost it. <laughs> because it's the two of us yep. and an army. Right. And then Elisha says, open his eyes that he might see. Mm -hmm. And the hills are covered with the armies of God. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then rather than ransacking them, he causes them to be blind to who he is, leads them into enemy territory, (laughs) opens their eyes again. 
They realize they're surrounded, feeds them lunch, and sends them home. <laughs> because why wouldn't you? I love it. Oh, it's so good. Mm, good stuff. Yeah, and so then, then we kind of get into more of the accounts of, of the kings themselves. And Elisha is, is involved to some degree. Um, you know, he's, he's proclaiming kings and anointing kings of, you know, not even just of Israel, but mm-hmm. even of Syria, saying right. you're going to be the next king. And, 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 and through his pronouncements, you know, things are, are set into motion. Um, and it's, it's interesting to see how, you know, how important he is uh, because of the way that God is using him. Right. Um, um, and, and yet, like you had said before, he doesn't prop himself up. Like you would think like someone like Elisha, I mean, you know, he would be, he'd be living large, but uh, it's, that's not the case at all. And w- one thing I think that's very important to point out here and to keep in mind through all of the reading of Elisha is that the prophet is the proclaimer of the word of God mm-hmm. to the people. There is nothing that Elisha is doing in all of this. Like we, we might be joking about it, maybe even to a fault. Arguably, sure. Uh, but nothing he is doing, he's doing of his own whim or accord, mm-hmm. but expressing this is the will of God. Yeah. Right. Because I think it would be really easy to read about Elisha uh, and to get that wrong. In fact, if you Google Elisha ministry, right, instead of getting all kinds of things about the ministry of Elisha while he was on earth, what you end up getting are all these schools of Elisha, how you too can be an Elisha, and, mm. and you can learn how to do these things. With, one, I, I don't know how you go about learning to do this. The Bible just says that he did it. it isn't mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but, but he is always doing the bidding of God. Yeah. This is not God empowering, his, empowering Elisha's will. Right. This is about Elisha expressing God's will. Yeah. So we have to be very clear yeah. on that before yeah. we start talking about how high Elisha is sure. and all of the greatness that he mm-hmm. uh, is expressing. His role is the role of a messenger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So the kings, the kings is a tough read. Yeah. From bad to worse. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. There's there's a few shining stars, you know, here and there. But even even then, they're they're not perfect. Twinkling right? stars. Twinkling stars. Sure. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> because all of them, they, some of them do good things, mm-hmm. but they never reach the high places. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and so the high places are are one area where foreign worship would have taken place, mm-hmm. and even when they run out other gods, they still leave the altars and the high places of worship, mm-hmm. um, which the next guy just comes in and reinstitutes those high places. Yeah, uh, I. This is where we get to the part of God speaks, but no one listens, mm-hmm. right? God has sent two great prophets, Elijah and Elisha, who are expressing the power and the wisdom of God. And, and no one seems to be turned from their sin. Mm-hmm. No one seems to be repentant. The kings are put in place just... Rule like a king would choose to rule in his own greed and power, mm-hmm. not not as servant leaders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would think that you know 
people would be convinced by these miraculous things that they're seeing and these prophecies that are coming to pass, and yet it doesn't seem to really have much impact. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you, and I and I think there's something there's something to this. Mm-hmm. I think I it, for me when I read the story of Israel, what I see is God sort of moving away from all of the Pelagian argument that if given a chance in a right circumstance, mankind could do this on his own, right? That mm-hmm. we are born inherently good, sin is the world coming against us, and sure, we all fail, but technically it's possible that someone could succeed. Hmm. Israel being propped up, having everything that they need to succeed in their own flesh, fail continually. Yeah, And, and I think that the story of Israel is in some ways an expression of the lack of capacity within mankind to do what is right mm. in the eyes of the Lord, so that by the time we get to the cross, we are fully convinced in our need for a Savior. Yeah, yeah. No, that that makes sense. No, I like that, that analogy. Um, yeah, as we kind of continue through these kings, we get to the death of Elisha, right? And for a guy who has, you know, uh, been empowered by God, um, who, you know, God has used Elisha to heal people, bring people back from the dead, he gets sick and dies. Yeah, just uh, just an ailment. Yeah. It's interesting, verse 14 says, Now then Elisha had fallen sick with the illness of which he was to die. Mm. Right? So it's very much sort of a God's appointed means, God's appointed time mm-hmm. has come, yeah. right? Uh, very much that kind of a thing. Uh, but after that, in, in verse 20, it just, <laughs> do you want to read it or do you want me to read it? Uh, why don't you read it? Okay. So Elisha died, and they buried him. Now, bands of Moabites used to invade the land in the spring of the year. We just pause there for a moment. <laughs> Elisha dies and they bury him. Yep. So succinct. Yep. The Moabites, just this is just their spring ritual. That's right. Right? <laughs> How do you know that spring has come? The birds are singing, the flowers are blooming, yeah. and the Moabites are raiding. That's right. That's <laughs> when you know winter is over. <laughs> That's right. Would you say April showers brings uh, marauding Moabites? <laughs> No, I wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) And as the man was being buried, behold, a marauding band, Mm. a marauding band was seen. And the man was thrown into the grave of Elisha. And as soon as the man touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. Now Haziel, king of Syria, oppressed Israel all the days of Jehoahaz. That, to me, personally, I feel like I need more information here. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> That's a lot in two sentences. I know. I, it's, it's, uh, if I'm being honest, there are times where I'm, I'm, I'm craving more detail right. in certain stories. And then there's other times where I'm like, this seems like information that isn't all that important. Like we're knowing about the exact size of certain armies and stuff, and it's mm-hmm. like, okay, great, mm-hmm. sure he had X amount of chariots, but it's like some dude just 
a, a dead body just fell on another dead body and then he came back to the life. bones yeah just on the bones yeah <laughs> and right at this point you just want to say stop the whole whoa, whoa whoa let's let's back that up yeah and can we say a little bit more because yeah. this is fascinating, mm-hmm. right? But the death of Elisha, such a prominent and powerful figure, mm-hmm. is very succinct, very matter of fact. Mm-hmm. This amazing moment. Like, just put yourself in this situation, right? You're freaking out because you've gone to bury your friend, and you look up, and here come the Moabites. Mm-hmm. You weren't expecting this. You're trapped. You're out in the middle of nowhere. You don't have the refuge of the city, the numbers of people around you to defend yourself. There's nowhere to hide. Mm-hmm. And so you're just like, quick, dump the body. We got to run for it. Mm-hmm. You dump the body, and all of a sudden you hear your buddy behind you yelling, wait up. It's <laughs> crazy. And now you're running faster. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> You're not going back to help him. Now you have two reasons to run. That's right. And what about this guy who was raised from the dead? Mm. He dies just to be raised in the middle of a Moabite raid? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't know does if he, he survived. Does he, instantly, does he survive this or does he instantly die again? I don't know. Right? That's, yeah, it's there's true. So much, there's so much more to be gleaned from this. I know. I know. Someday. Right now we read... As through a mirror dimly lit. Yeah. But soon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Such a, such a, so beautifully understated. Mm-hmm. One, one other kind of story amongst the, the kings, uh, one of the kings, Uzziah, um, there's a story where, you know, after he's been successful in battle for some time, right? He's been conquering, he's been, he's been reclaiming the territory and, Suddenly, he thinks that that makes him eligible to go into the temple and offer the incense as though he were a high priest, right? Mm-hmm. Because he was so good in, in one area, then, you know, he had earned the right to usurp the position of the priest. Right. And, uh, and, he, and he gets struck with, with sickness because of that, right? And I think it's, it's uh, an interesting warning against pride, right? Because Uzziah is this guy who, I mean, obviously— you know, the Lord blessed him in, in battle and, and, and he was a competent commander. But just because, you know, he had excelled in one area did not give him the right to to overstep in others. And I think it was a it was a warning that kind of stood out to me yeah, as Israel is strong under Uzziah. Yeah. And and it's important to remember that because for all for all that Elijah and Elisha did, what what who I believe to be probably the greatest of the Old Testament prophets, mm-hmm. Isaiah, mm-hmm. prophesies during the reign of Uzziah, or, or right after the reign of Uzziah, mm-hmm. the year that he dies, yeah. right, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on his throne. Uh, so yeah, that's an important thing. He's doing the same thing Saul did. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's right. And taking uh, taking privilege mm-hmm. as king uh, over the things of the Lord, mm-hmm. which is not something that he's allowed to do. Yeah, that is outside of his jurisdiction, mm-hmm. right? He's the political leader, not the religious leader. Right, right. And and so w- we're talking about this as the prophets are doing all of these things so as to call Israel to repentance, but Israel and their leaders are going from bad to worse. But then we have a story sort of outside of this, because mm-hmm. the prophets not only prophesy for and against Israel, they also prophesy for and against the nations. Yeah. And so we have the book of Jonah. Yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. And Jonah, Jonah is, is called to um, 
go and preach to Nineveh, which was the capital of Assyria. And, uh, and I mean, this is a well-known story, right? And he, he flees from that, and we don't immediately know why. Um, but, but one thing that, that's good for us to remember, um, historically, I mean, the, the Assyrians were um, enemies of Israel. They were really nasty people. If you actually study their history, like even more so than, than Babylon or Persia or these other ancient empires, I mean, they used to brag about how they would torture people. They wrote their poetry um, when they were writing, you know, these, these accounts of their kings. Like their version of, of the book of Kings and Chronicles is just talking about how kings did these awful things to other human beings. And so, you know, this, this was a rough crowd. Right. This, this was not... This, these were not the people you would think would be um, deserving to hear from the Lord, and yet God calls Jonah to go to them, and he doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to do it, and he runs away. We all sort of know that story. The mm-hmm. fish vomits him up onto the land. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and he finally he goes and he preaches probably the most successful sermon ever preached. Yeah. <laughs> and so for, for all of the pastors who aren't listening— uh, who feel like you know what? If I just had better response in my sermons, that would be that would be enough to satisfy me. Still not enough. Preaches probably the most successful sermon ever preached as far as calling people to repentance. It's also a very succinct sermon. It is. It's it is. It's yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Right. That, and, that's all he says. And the king <laughs> and everyone sat cloth and ashes. Yeah. Right in repentance, and. He gets angry. God has shown mercy and grace, mm. and he's angry, mm-hmm. and God calls him out on it. Yeah, and then we find out why the real reason why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. He's like, I knew you would do this. I knew you would I forgive knew, them. I knew you'd be merciful, and so I didn't want to come because I don't like these people, and I don't want you to show grace to them. Right. His prejudice was strong enough for him to desire these people to face the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he knew, he said, I knew you would be merciful. Mm. And you did it. Yeah. And God says, God sends a tree. Yeah. And a worm. And he, Jonah gets a little bit warm because the tree dies. And he says, Jonah, why are you so bent out of shape about this tree? Do yeah. you have a right to be upset about this? <laughs> Jonah says, yep. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> How ridiculous. It is. It is. There was no tree. God miraculously manifests a tree to keep him cool. Yeah. And then he takes it away. <laughs> and he says, yep, I'm mad about it. And he says, why? You had nothing to do with this. Mm-hmm. How much more should I care about 120,000 persons mm-hmm. who don't know the will and the plan of God mm-hmm. and also much cattle? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. I, yeah. I have a friend whose favorite line to sum up any book of scripture is the closing line of Jonah and also much cattle. It's great. <laughs> yeah, no, we... And you know, when I was reading this, when I was reading kind of Jonah's outrage over the loss of this plant, um, the image that kind of struck me was, you know, kind of your your prototypical 
you know, middle-aged North American guy who's upset about his lawn. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or, or the, you know, or the landscaping on his property, you know, and he's just, he can get just so bent out of shape that, that this little thing that he's got for himself isn't the way he wants it to be. And yet so often, you know, those of us who claim Christ can be apathetic to the, to the, the lost condition of so many people in our world. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're angry that, you know, maybe there's, I don't know, maybe your neighbor's got a tree and, and something's dropping out of his tree onto your lawn and messing it up or something. And you're, you're going to get it bent out of shape about your lawn or a fence or something like that. And you don't even mm-hmm. care about their lost condition. Right. Right. And that, that's kind right. of the, that, that's what, I mean, that's the, the picture of Jonah we see, but I think that the, the call in the book of Jonah is to really look at ourselves and say, are we like Jonah? Right. Right. Are we, do, are we upset that God wants to save our enemies? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and do we care enough about those people who, who step on our toes? Or in this case, we're like a mortal threat. I mean, this would be like, this is, this is God, you know, this is, this would be like him going to, you know, someone during World War II and being like, I need you to go to Germany and preach to the Nazis. Like these, these are dangerous people. And, and God is saying they matter, mm-hmm. right? They matter more than, than, than what you, you know, who, they matter more than your opinion on who deserves my, you know, my grace, my mercy, my forgiveness. And so I think, yeah, we, we, we need to not just look at this and say, oh, look at Jonah being such a, such a jerk. But yeah. And, and that's why I appreciate that all of Jonah's one day, because mm-hmm. I think the whole story has to be taken. The yeah. whole story is one point. Mm-hmm. Right. And when we when we chop Jonah up into an eight point sermon, we're going to we're going to miss the point mm-hmm. because it, it has to be taken as a whole. Mm-hmm. And that whole is, is just that that mindset of God will save whom he will save. Mm-hmm. And we are the messengers of his salvation, mm-hmm. not those who get to determine who does and doesn't deserve the message of salvation. Yeah. Highlights. Um, kind of a, an interesting one, not very theological. Uh, well, perhaps it is to a degree, but uh, one of the kings of Israel, he's probably the best king of the northern kingdom, although he's not good, but he's just less bad. His name's Jehu, and and uh, when he when he ascends to the throne, he decides he's going to get rid of Baal worship. But in order to do that, he says, you know, Ahab liked to worship Baal, but I really like to worship Baal. And if you like to worship Baal, you should all come to this great big ceremony mm-hmm. I'm planning. And come hang out. And so then all of the, the, the prophets of Baal are gathered. And then uh, they set up this ceremony. And then he walks out and tells the guards, none of them are leaving. Right. And they burn the place down. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a good way, to, good way to deal with that problem. A trap. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, you know, perhaps uh, a little extreme, but effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember reading through it and being like, wow, this is. That just happened. That, that's a thing. That's brilliant but also mm-hmm. devious but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah i i was gonna say something along those lines but since you went there i'm just gonna take the high ground and okay. say that uh the, the idea of jonah that we were talking about is mm-hmm. uh is very sort of uh grab your heart mm-hmm. right um to just always be remembering that the people that we would call inconvenient maybe not out loud maybe we wouldn't say it in so few words mm. But maybe we treat them or see them as inconvenient. 
um, God sees them as image bearers mm -hmm. and the reason for his salvation mm -hmm. and for the cross. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada and is produced by Alex Walker. Till next time. See you later.